Welcome in to the latest edition of the Sports Roundtable on May 7th, 2019. I think this is our 14th edition, Kelly. I mean, it's amazing already. Yeah, it is, and it's awesome to be able again to be here with you tonight as I just got back from Mississippi and uh, went down to Starkville, home of uh, Mississippi State University, and uh, my wife's uh, niece graduated from veterinarian school and uh, heard the the coach, the head coach of the women's basketball team was one of the main speakers, and uh, Mississippi State basketball is doing great, but we are here to talk about the local sports, so I am happy to be back. I know that she was with Chris last week and discussing uh, Mountaineer draft picks and uh i'm looking forward to being back with you here tonight Aaron. It, was, it was a two-part series last week i done my solo act on tuesday and then me and chris wrapped it up on thursday with a good hour discussion um folks want to let you know tonight's uh podcast is being brought to you by three guys fitness in reedsville mention you heard this ad on 96.7 k country and receive five dollars off your initial membership fee by brouhaha on price street in kingwood where the coffee beans are roasted in-house and the coffee is absolutely delicious. And by Shortcuts in Morgantown, the closest can- the closest barber to the downtown campus of West Virginia University. Today, Kelly, we're talking about a topic that really has been bypassed uh, up until the point when Sports Illustrated released the Dana Holgerson article about him coming back to Houston, but it also talks about how he left Morgantown. Well, I think that there's a lot of people that uh, would like to close the book, um, close that chapter of Mountaineer football. Uh, again, Dana Holgerson, uh, he did well as far as his time here, as far as his record goes. But uh, I think it's his departure again that has a lot of fans upset, uh, maybe a little angry, almost the same way that Rich Rodriguez left, the same way that, uh, uh, you know, that's that's the thing that the Mountaineer football fans, we know that that's what it's all about here. We don't have a professional sports team. Uh, here in West Virginia, so everything's about Mountaineer football, basketball, baseball. It's about Mountaineer Nation. So, uh, you know, the fans at Mountaineer Nation are a little upset that uh, to come to find out through this article that Dana Holgerson basically had already signed, uh, kind of made it uh, a done deal before the bowl game even. So a lot of fans are wondering, did he really even coach the bowl game to, to win? Did he really even care? Did he really have that passion and zeal? Um to really even coach that bowl game. A lot of people are even suggesting that he told Will Greer to set, said it would be best if he would not play in the bowl game. Well, I'm sure that a coach sets down with his players and they do discuss things. And again, Will Greer was, uh, as we know now, was uh, drafted in the third round, the 100th pick by the Carolina Panthers. And uh, I'm sure every coach does sit down. But did Will Greer know that uh, that Coach uh, Holgerson was already pretty much a done deal at Houston. That we don't know. Uh, so whether he did or whether he didn't, it's the fact that, again, that most of the time it's a moral thing. Uh, it's an ethical thing. Um, it's something that should be done after your season is completed with your uh, current team. In this case, from what we're seeing through Sports Illustrated, um, you know, they're bringing out this right now in the article that was put out on April 30th. Uh, and Holgerson, again, was already pretty much uh, contacted by a uh, mega millionaire, uh, maybe even a billionaire, I believe. The he Houston said he's, Rockets owner. The Houston Rockets owner. And so here's a man that's number 53, I believe, on the um, Forbes list of a man that has. The, I don't think it's 53. I think he's a little bit back there. I think he's like in the hundreds. Oh, I thought I heard 53. 
Um, well, we'll have to we'll have to check out. But, but either way, we're talking about a we're talking about a multimillionaire or billionaire here that basically wanted Holgerson in Houston. Um, and with that being said, uh, again, you should wait until the season is completed. Uh, and in this case, Coach Holgerson did not do that. So that's got some of the fans. Uh, a little bit rift here in uh, West Virginia. Well, and why? Why wouldn't it? I mean, Rich Rod, the, his departure going to Michigan, co- coincidentally enough, the year beforehand, John Beeline went to Michigan. So you had two WVU coaches going to Michigan in opposite years. So uh, let me just say, it's the nature of the beast now in the profession. Um, you know, money talks, and again, in this article though. Holgerson says it's not about the money. He's basically not making uh, much money, much more or any different than his contract was at West Virginia. So people wanted to know why he would go to a uh, non-Power 5 conference. Um, Basically, um, people know that Dana Holgerson was not really happy in in Morgantown. In his tenure, he pretty much says, and this article speaks, that he didn't feel that he was still welcome pretty much in Morgantown, and he knew that time was short here. People talk about his lifestyle. This article talks about his lifestyle. Uh, even mentions that he's at a uh, at a bar, um, and basically country roads. We just talked about this previously here that country roads comes on. But Dana's going to be Dana. It talks about his Red Bull drinking that uh, you know four during practice, eight during a game. Dana Horgerson's going to do what Dana Horgerson wants to do, and he's going to go where somebody's going to let him be who he wants to be. So again, with that being said, I'm not here to judge a man. Um, you know, it's his choice. And uh, Mountaineer Nation, and the way I look at it, we got the best available coach that was out there, and I'm very excited to start the Neil Brown era. And by the way, the owner of the Houston Rockets, he has a net worth of $4.5 billion, 4.5. and he is, on, he is number 153 on the Forbes October list of the 400 wealthiest Americans. 153, not 53, so uh, forgive me for that one. But either way... Uh, billionaire, a lot of billionaire. Money. A lot of yeah, money. He's a billionaire, and again, when you got a billionaire uh, talking to you and speaking with you, and then basically uh, has his private jet prepared and ready right after the the bowl game, Horgerson never did come back to Morgantown. We find out through this article too that his parents pretty much did all the organization as far as getting his belongings and getting them sent to Houston. So, you know, to me, as well as a lot of the other fans out there, they're probably saying, come on, man, just leave it alone. So I'm ready to close the book, close the chapter, and let's get ready for Neil Brown and the Mountaineers. And what it also says in the article, which is uh, kind of amazing to me, is it was kind of hard on his parents. His parents love the, the hills of West Virginia and the people here, but it wasn't Holgerson's lifestyle here. Down in Houston, you got the Houston Astros, the Houston Rockets, the Houston Texans, multiple other colleges that houston cougars team is not the standalone organization that's going to garner the attention from all other media outlets the whole state itself to whereas here in west virginia the mountaineers are the professional team that's why we do get the recruits that we do the higher end recruits that is our main selling point it's you may not make it to the nfl but this team is treated like the NFL in Morgantown, so well, there's no doubt, and he's going to be more scrutinized as a head coach of the Mountaineer, uh, as a West Virginia Mountaineers, and what he will be in Houston. Uh, well, P- well, yeah. So, well, how many yeah. times? Well, how many times did people want him gone just because they they lost the game? Mm-hmm. Normally, if it was Rich Rod or Bill Stewart, you wouldn't have heard it. We would have kind of played it off, said, "Yeah, it was just a bad game." But if Dana lost two straight games. 
He's worthless. Get him out of here. That's what everybody was saying. I think it's a lot of times, again, it's, it's his personality. I think it was his personality that it just he just didn't represent what Mountaineer Nation wanted. Uh, so I think a lot of fans were ready. Now, there's also a lot of fans that wanted to keep him because they believe that – I've read some of those uh, articles as well, and it said that, you know, now that – Holgerson has left, that the Mountaineers will be lucky to win three and four games a year, that it's going to be a five-year rebuilding process. I don't believe that. I believe that uh, Coach Brown has been successful where he's been. Uh, it didn't take him long to turn around a program at Troy that nobody even knew about. But I'll tell you what, by the time that Neil Brown left Troy University, there was Division One teams, namely the LSU Tigers and also the Clemson Tigers, that knew who Neil Brown was after they competed against a Neil Brown coach team. So I think that Neil Brown will do fine. He will have this program turned around quickly. And, again, we can't even say it's going to be a turnaround because the Mountaineers have been going to bowl games. Um, but whether or not we can take that next step into the next level, I think that's what everybody's looking at. And Holgerson, other than the year that he was actually playing with the recruits uh, of another coach, whenever we put uh, 70 points on Clemson in the first bowl game that he coached for West Virginia. That was Bill uh, Stewart's kids. That was Bill Stewart's kids. And, uh, you know, we had Geno and Tavon Austin and uh, – you know, we, we ran wild and threw wild all over Clemson. And, uh, you know, what happens then? Dabo Sweeney, the head coach at Clemson, turns around and wins a couple national titles. And uh, so I think that uh, basically right now, I think that Neil Brown will come in here and, and make people forget Dana Holgerson. All righty. One thing I think that started Dana Holgerson off on the right foot or on the wrong foot in Morgantown. I think it was either his first or second year in Morgantown before we made the jump to the Big 12. I think it was his first year. He was noticing how the crowds were leaving at halftime where you would see nothing but gray on the other side of the stadium. And he he was under the impression when he came to Morgantown that this was one of the most passionate fan bases in the country. But then he comes here. By that year, we knew we were probably going to be leaving the Big East. We were trying to get out of the Big East. So it was out there. I didn't know if it was going to be the SEC, the Big 12, the ACC, the Big 10. We didn't know where we were going, but we wanted to jump to a Power 5 conference because we knew the Big East was going to be dismantled, and it is now. But I think he said something about if we're going to make a jump to one of these schools, those stands need to be packed every game, rain or shine or snow. There was no excuse for it. And that really, I remember that game, the following game, because he said it in the middle of football season. He said it like in the middle of the week during, I think, one of his press conferences. Nobody showed up at the next game. Like, he, that really resonated across Mountaineer Nation. And I don't think, it, I, I think that really hurt his legacy here. Well, I mean, I think that any, any head coach, no matter what university you're at, you want people to fill the stands because uh, the people that's filling those stands is actually generating money for the university, which also generates money for raises for the head football coach. So any football coach or basketball coach at any Division One or any, no matter where you're at, whether you're Division One or Subdivision One, you want those stands to be full. So, you know, I can't say that he made a, a statement that would be anything wrong because Bob Huggins does it every year. Bob Huggins, is, we don't hear anything about Bobby whenever Bobby's saying, hey, we need to fill the stands. You need to get out here and uh, support this team. Bob Huggins uh, is totally different. Bob, well, Bob Huggins is on a level of his own. He, be, could, he could yell at Mountaineer fans, we're not going to bother. And, uh, and the reason why? Because Bob Huggins was a Mountaineer. Bob Huggins played for the Mountaineers, and Dana Holgerson basically was out of his comfort zone, out of his zone as far as 
the the mentality and the and the people in the state. Well, when the guy uh, was in his first year. I think it would have been a whole lot different if he would have said that in year eight compared to year one, only a couple of weeks into the season. Now, yeah. now when you get there, it's kind of like your first day at a job. If you're sitting there on your first day of of your job and you're saying, "Well, day shift's not doing any work," and your evening shift that's your first day, you don't have no. What you say does not have any merit. I think Dana Hogerson was trying to sell himself as a head coach and to try to get the fans to come out to something new, something different. And to be honest with you, you, I, and everybody else was probably excited when we heard Dana Hogerson because of the offensive numbers that he put up as an offensive coordinator at every place that he had stopped. Uh, at that time, just like Neil Brown now, the now he had no head coaching experience, but he was the number one coordinator out there that everybody was looking for, everybody was wanting, and West Virginia got him. We was all excited. However, it didn't take long for the fans to say he can't win the big one, the big one being Oklahoma. Uh, now, what's exciting for me, I'm looking forward to seeing Houston open with Oklahoma this year. I mean, so here we have Holgerson that never beat Oklahoma in Morgantown as a head coach. Now – as a Houston Cougar head coach, ready to play Oklahoma. I'm looking forward to that game to see how he fares right off the bat in Houston. Oklahoma is going to take them to town. Well, That's I, honestly that's what's going to happen. Honestly, so now that all these fans that are disgruntled that didn't like Holgerson, they can actually sit and kind of rub it in now and say, yep, see, we told you so. He's not going to ever win the big one. But this is his first game in Houston as well, so we'll just see what the future holds. He did beat Baylor when Baylor was in the top five in Morgantown one year. So, And that was when the Mountaineers were unranked, too. So did. he did have one big upset, at least. I mean, he did get shell-shocked by Oklahoma once on a, on a very cold, wintry November night in 2016 when the Mountaineers... Had a did that because the the stage was set that day. It was snowy. Oklahoma was out of their climate. That stadium was packed, and before he knew it, it was twenty eight to seven. Oklahoma comes in too and stomps on the logo right at midfield. There's a little bit of a brawl prior to the game, but Oklahoma showed that they were still the cream of the crop when it came to the Big Twelve. And uh, if we're going to talk about that. The last game that we had this year was the greatest opportunity we had to end up Big 12 champions by defeating Oklahoma once again in Morgantown. Uh, however, you know, two Will Greer fumbles later, uh, a big uh, penalty when it comes to uh, uh, Simmons on the sideline over there blocking his man out of bounds. Uh, those things happen, but we had that opportunity, and the stage was set before us again, you know, this past year. So, he had the opportunity. Uh, unfortunately, the ball didn't bounce our way, and it bounced right into the hands of a defender, and he took it back for a touchdown, changed the complexion of the game. Uh, and again, that chapter's closed. So, Aaron, I truly am ready to move on. Well, I'm not moving on just yet. I'm going to ask you one okay. more final I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm gonna ask you one final question, and then I'll give you my take on it. All right. If you had to describe Dana Holgerson's legacy or career or tenure at WVU, however you want to say it, how would you put it? Instead of wild and wonderful, uh, I think he was wild and wondrous as far as wondering where the next place is that he could go because I just don't think that he ever really felt like he fit in Morgantown. It started in an, down at Nitro uh, right before even he was hired, uh, right when he was hired and announced that he would take over eventually for Bill Stewart. We all know what happened there. Uh, God rest his soul for Bill Stewart. But uh, Dana Hogerson was asked to leave basically a nightclub or down at the uh, casino at the dog track 
right off the bat, he comes in and makes an impression, and it's not a good one. So he's asked to leave or he was going to be escorted out and arrested. So it seems to me that basically his tenure started off on the wrong foot. And so it didn't end on a good one either. It did not end on a good one. It didn't begin on a good one. So when it happens that way, like I said, I think that Mountaineer Nation is ready to truly move forward into the next chapter of Mountaineer Nation and Mountaineer football. Here's what I'll say, and I will finally close this chapter in this very strange, I would say, time. Uh, One of the most oddest times, if that's a word, in Mountaineer football history. I... I was excited when I heard we were getting Dana Holgerson. I was excited until he ended up becoming head coach that year. I was fully prepared for him to take over the year after. I didn't like how they were ushering Bill Stewart out. I did not like that. What I thought they should have done was just fire him at the end of the season and bring Dana Holgerson in. Not basically say, you can go win a national title this year, but no matter what you do, that man right there is your successor next year. A guy who literally, if he was stayed coach, who knows what Bill Stewart would have done if he was stayed here? Well, he went nine and three, three years in a row. Um, so basically, and Dana uh, Holgerson done the same thing. If Dana Holgerson went nine and three, that was a successful campaign for him. And I think that that sometimes is what we've gotten used to, and so we got a little bit spoiled. Uh, and so, how many people were saying, even though Bill Stewart was a great man and he won nine games every year he coached, they still said he wasn't a good football coach. Uh, so. With that being said, we thought they was going to bring in some flair. Uh, that flair never did flare any better or fare any better in this case. Well, the uh-huh. offense, the offensive numbers did skyrocket, it, it, but the defense's it, numbers exactly. plummeted. You got to have all facets of the game. Um, our defense, uh, I mean, I didn't even recognize who we were. However, again, that's a lot of it is the test of the fact that we went to the Big Twelve Conference, which is an air raid conference. So, you know, with that being said, too, you still got to have a defense that can. Defense wins games. You know, Aaron, they just, it always does. I don't care what sport it is. Defense wins ball games. And Dana Holgerson, after, since he's gone now, and Neil Brown has been ushered in, and Neil Brown has not done anything wrong since he's been in Morgantown. He's done so many right things. When he went to the Mountain Lair Student Union to invite the students out to come watch the football team practice, you know, I'm a student myself, and I saw him do it at Troy do kind of the same thing, invite them out to come to watch the football game, saying it's their football team. I was like, he's not going to do that in Morgantown. It's a campus of 25,000 students. It's the main hub of West Virginia anyways when it comes to athletics. I was like, he's not. he doesn't have to do that because the, the crowd's already going to be there. But he's still done it. He's still done it. He still made an effort to go out in front of everybody. He goes to all the major events. I just saw a picture tweeted out a couple of days ago. Him and Huggins went to an event. And so he's out there selling this team, and uh, that's the reason the warm and fuzzy feelings are there. So I don't think what he's done, he couldn't he, he couldn't done any better. This is how I wanted to see a coach brought in. Absolutely. I mean, and there's no doubt we heard that through Troy, whenever the announcement was made, that there was not one bad thing that anybody at that university could ever say about Neil Brown. So that speaks volumes. And so I, I think that he's going to be uh, well-liked, well-loved uh, here in Morgantown. And, and uh, the thing is, a lot of people are already questioning now, well, if he does start winning you know, 9, 10, 11 games a year, will he stay even in Morgantown or will he be that next – uh, coach that opens up when somebody retires at another big school. Uh, that's you know, I, I don't know that, but he is and does have Appalachian roots. 
And with that being said, you know, I'd like to see him stay and, and be like Don Nealon. You know, I almost, I almost said that Don Nealon 2.0 could be in the making right here. Don Nealon, that that's his name, but Neil Brown could be the, the next, the next great. I'm believing that that's the tenure that he's going to have that's going to be similar to Donnie. And uh, and I and I'm going to say that Don Nealon, there's no doubt, it was through Don Nealon that this program got rejuvenated. It's whenever John Denver truly come in to Mountaineer. Uh, stadium that when it was brand new and christened and on that day that they played i believe colorado state um you know which, which was, by the way the provost of west virginia university is going to be the new president of colorado state joyce mcconnell hmm, well but i can just say that don neyland did a wonderful job with what he had uh with his coaching staff with the players that he recruited and again we're talking about two and three star recruits that basically then played with a possibility of two championships, one national championship that we played for that we lost to Notre Dame, and the year that we did get shellacked by Florida, but we was in the running for the possible national championship that year as well. So Don Nealon did a job. He set the standard. And uh, so, you know, kudos to Don Nealon, and there's a reason that there's Don Nealon Drive down in Morgantown. Well, I mean, that's one of the main signs. When it comes to football season, on Saturday mornings, you see Don Neal and Drive, you know you're in the right place, especially on game day. And and he is still supporting the program. And, uh, you know, what a what a great man and mentor to have. And I'm sure that Neil Brown has already spent a lot of time with Don Nealon. Don Nealon welcomed, in, welcomed him into Morgantown the first he day he was flown in and, by uh, Shane Lyons. And I'm sure that Don Nealon is much happier with Neil Brown than what he was whenever Dana was here. So, also, Kelly, let's, let's transition to current. Current Mountaineer football right now. We all know that uh, Sims left. Marcus Sims announced his transfer. Uh, cornerback the other day announced his transfer. Moreland. Uh, none of them know where they're going yet as they have entered the portal. So we're like, well, the Mountaineers just lost a couple. So, and one thing that was a question going into this season was offensive line. The Mountaineers needed offensive line depth. Because after you got through those starters and you got into the grind of the Big 12 schedules, those little nagging injuries are going to start creeping up on you and are going to start hitting hitting your legs and stuff. That's the cramping when it gets into going down to Texas and Oklahoma. Neil Brown was able to go out and get a JUCO transfer from a community college down in Texas. John Hughes, a 6'4", 300-pound offensive lineman, when he comes to Morgantown, he will have three years left of eligibility as he'll come in as a sophomore. Yeah, I think we've all discussed it here at the Sports Roundtable as well as the Sports Blitz that uh, Mountaineers need offensive linemen and we need receivers. Marcus Sims leaving to me is a big, big hit. Um, you know, he had the potential and has the potential to be uh, an NFL caliber player i think it's a matter of him keeping his head in the right place and sometimes when these kids come in they get in a little bit of trouble and uh i think that marcus sims wanted a little more recognition from what i saw that his father tweeted he basically felt that marcus sims did not get the recognition that he deserved and you know that's hard to do when you're playing behind david sills and uh gary jennings and so you know with that being said he could have been the man he could have been the man this year, and he could have put up those numbers, but he chose to leave, and again, every decision that's ever made, that kid's going to have to live with it. And uh, But, you know, I wish him the best, and uh, he was a Mountaineer. He had a big part of the Mountaineers' success over the last couple of years, so he is a deep ball and big uh, play threat, uh, and that kind of takes that out of our system right now. So we don't have a lot of experience coming back at receiver, 
And I think the offensive line and receivers is going to be a big part of our team this year that we're going to see if they develop. Uh, so we need uh, you know, this guy that he just got. Maybe he can come in and compete right away. Uh, if not, maybe as a backup, but we need that depth. I, th- I say question mark right there. The, the, the wide receiver, wide receiving core is a question mark. But if you remember back a couple years ago, the running backs were a big question mark. We didn't know about Letty Brown. We didn't know how good Kennedy McCoy was. We didn't know about Martel Petaway. And look and look at the running back core right now. You could say that is a definite strength going into the season. Well, Didn't show in the spring game. Well, that's because again the offensive line though. It don't matter how good you are as a running back. You got to have those mammoths up front uh, open up the holes for you. So uh, we got to have a line no matter how good and how much depth we have at the running back position. It always starts up front. You hear it on every game that's announced that it all starts up front, offensively and defensively. You've got to have a solid line. And so these backs, yeah, we got depth and we have talent and ability, but we got to have an offensive line. So I do believe that by the time the season rolls around that the coaching staff is going to know who needs to be in there. And I, I, I really believe that we're going to be better than what people think at the offensive line position, uh, as well as the, I think the defense is going to be much better this year. And I think that's a, a tribute to the defense in that spring game. Uh, and, again, it was just – my word, I guess, is Manila. I mean, they didn't really do a whole lot. He didn't show a whole lot in that spring game. And, you know, when it comes time for that opener, I believe that the uh, offensive line as well as the receivers, gonna, Coach Brown's going to know who he needs in there. And I think we're going to be fine. I, I have no doubt that we'll be fine. I want to go back to the point where you said Marcus Sims' dad tweeted something about how he didn't figure he got the recognition. When Neil Brown first came in to Morgantown, he said there will not be an individual mentality on this team. It will be a team atmosphere. And something me and another guy always talked about is maybe he sat down with Neil Brown and said something like, I don't feel like I'm getting a recognition for my skill. And Neil Brown could have said, well, this is a team. You're going to play as a team here and... Maybe Sims didn't want nothing to do with it. That's always a possibility, and uh, Neil Brown's not going to waver, and that's what I love about Neil Brown. And and if we want to get into that conversation, Bob Huggins has admitted to Mountaineer Nation that he felt he let his guard down, that he didn't take command of the team when it came to this last year in basketball. So I don't think that Neil Brown's going to let that happen, and I'm sure that he and Bob Huggins have sat and had conversation about that very thing. It's always about team, and the old thing is we've heard it since we was in Little League. There is no I in team. So I think that Neil Brown is going to keep that family, unity, and atmosphere here at Mountaineer Nation. And there is nobody that's going to come in and think that they're bigger or better, stronger than team. Come August 31st, it will feel like a big family getting back together in Milan Pushkar Stadium. I just have that vibe when everybody comes back into that stadium. It's going to be the welcoming of a new era in Mountaineer history, but it's also going to feel like a family reunion as we will be having six reunions this fall. I know, I know we got, we play, we start off against James Madison, NC State. We got Texas at home this year. I believe Iowa State at home this year, Oklahoma State at home this year. And uh, TCU, no, no, T- we, TCU goes to, goes. we play in TCU this year. Texas Tech comes to Morgantown this year. So we got 
a good amount of bowl games, or not bowl games, but we got a good amount of games coming this year. And it will be a family type of atmosphere when it comes to Mountaineer football this year. As Neil Brown has said and made it known to the community that they are going to play for the 1.8 million people that live in West Virginia and are going to wear that flying WV on their helmets and jerseys with pride. Kelly, final segment. We're going to talk about the Preston High football as 96.7 will be bringing you the home portion as of right now of all the Preston High Knights football games. The Preston High Knights start off two games on the road. They start off against Hampshire, a team of which they beat last year at home in their first game of the home season. Well, which would turn out to be Preston High's only victory on the season. Then they travel to play on September 6th at North Marion. Then on September 13th, uh, September 13th, they come back. They play John Marshall. The following week, they play R.C. Bird at home. And then they wrap up their homestand playing Lewis County. And they go into the bye week. Out, coming out of the bye week, they play Bridgeport Senior High School away. Then they come back home for two to finish up their home portion of their schedule against Washington High School and University High, a team that... Took care, of them, took care of them last year, and then they wrap up against Buchanan, Upshur, and Brook High School on the road. Yeah, we have a couple new uh, teams on the schedule this year, Brook and, and Washington. Uh, I think there's actually one other uh, team that they're playing this year that they didn't play last year. I had the opportunity with Neil Waldeck to be the color commentator. Preston was very young last year, which gets me excited. Uh, they played many freshmen and sophomores. The The majority of their starting lineup, uh, Aaron, was fr- freshmen, sophomores, juniors. So, you know, I'm looking forward to this this team. Uh, Bridgeport back on the schedule, that's the other one. Uh, Bridgeport's always tough, no matter what. But uh, I think these kids have an opportunity to definitely win more than that one game um, against Hampshire. And uh, But Hampshire's always that uh, starting point. And they've got to go on the road. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing uh, Rosenberger, to, if, whether he's going to play quarterback this year uh, or whether they're going to put him in the slot. But uh, I had an opportunity to watch watch him last year, and, and he's an athlete. Uh, anytime he gets an open space, he, he's a jitterbug. Um, he handles the ball well. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what this young team can do. And they're still going to be young, but they have that year of experience that uh, coming back. And so I'm looking forward to uh, calling some games this year with uh, with Neil or maybe yourself, Aaron, uh, as far as doing high school football. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, again, it won't be long before we are going to bring you the Preston High Knights. And uh, I'm excited about the future of Preston High football from what I've seen last year, even though they only won that one game. When you put basically – uh, JB players out there, and I don't mean that as no disrespect, but out of necessity. There's also a lot of injuries that they had last year. So um, we competed at times, and there was some times that, you know, they was within striking distance until late in the game. Uh, so this year, some of those losses can turn into Ws. So I'm looking forward to uh, pressing high nights football. Buchanan and Upshur, when they traveled to, the, to play them in the second-to-last game of the season, that was a game they let sl- slip away in the final home game of last year. They did. They, they had a golden opportunity in that game, uh, let it slip away. So uh, I think that this year, though, again, they're playing uh, Washington and Brook, and those two teams were a little bit down last year as well. So uh, right now I, I see opportunity, and so we'll just – See what happens, and I'm sure that Coach uh, Tennant will have the Knights uh, raring and ready to go. And hopefully, though, they're they're already preparing and getting ready and being in the weight room and and getting conditioning in. And uh, you know, it's not going to be long. It's right around the corner. Football season is uh, you're right. Football season 
is just right around the corner. And uh, my experience playing football, I played many years ago. And I know another year of experience always makes you better. If you stay conditioned, you always have another year of experience. You know how to play the teams. And when I would always play my second year on a team, I always felt more confident. I knew what I was doing. I knew how to go out there and compete on the field. And since you got freshman players that started on a varsity team, and now normally freshman players sometimes don't even get to start or make crack the starting lineup until their junior year, they're coming in, and some of these freshmen, by the time they graduate, they're going to be a four-year starting that, senior. They are. And that could produce some very good talent coming out of Preston High. Absolutely. Even when you get beat up, and I spoke it so many times on here at 96.7 when we was doing the Preston High games, I said you always got to remember that freshmen become sophomores, sophomores become juniors, and that, that experience, you just can't beat it. Uh, so having young kids last year might have looked bad as far as their overall record, but I think that we'll see uh, – see it come to fruition this year because of that experience and i too i played way many years along than what you did uh as i'm 50 years old but i had that opportunity to start at west preston as a freshman and sophomore so there's no doubt when you get that confidence and get it built up that these kids are going to come out ready to go so looking forward to uh preston high nights uh football season and uh you know, a few new teams on the schedule, so everybody prepare yourselves and come out and uh, root on your Preston High Knights in this next upcoming season starting in 2019. One of my most favorite times of the year is just a couple months away. you got the start of football season and the start of archery season in September as well. So big times are coming, the favorite times of the year. The hot weather is back. I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> I I honestly, if I lose listeners, I'm sorry. I am more of a November, December, February type of guy. I I can't stand this humidity. I like the fall, but I I don't have a problem with the being warm. Uh, and I went to uh, had the opportunity to to land in Las Vegas last year, and it was 110 when we got off the plane. So I know it's not the same humidity, but it was hot. But uh, you know, I don't mind the heat whenever you have the winters that we have here. But although we haven't had the winters we used to, but um, but come out and enjoy uh, Preston High Nights football this fall. That's my favorite time of year in the fall uh, when the leaves are beginning to, to fall off the trees. And, again, that means football. And, like you said, I'm big into the archery season as well. So I'm looking forward to that, and that's a sport as well. So looking forward to that fall season. Well, I I just can't wait for the cool air. I, For some reason, the heat, I don't like it. Although, I know, Kelly, there's a possibility that you may be able to join me for my Thursday edition of the show this week to where we're going to be talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates as they wrapped up their recent homestand, didn't start off so good, losing 14-1 to against the A's in front of a stunned PNC Park crowd on Friday night. Only 16,000 people, a little over 16,000 people, showed up on a Friday night in May to PNC Park. Final thing I want to say before the show ends, that ballpark needs to be filled on a Friday night and a Saturday night in the summer. You'd think whenever they have a t- free T-shirt Friday that there'd be more people out there. But uh, either way, they they turned that series around after losing uh, to the A's after the A's had lost six in a row. They get shellacked 14-1, to one, but they turn it around and win the next two games of the series. They're one game over 500 as we speak right now, going into a two-game series with Texas, who they did sweep after they ended up having that eight-game losing streak. So with all that being said, they persevered. They're one game over. They're not that far out of first place. 
and that's all you can ask at this point in the season. It's been inconsistent uh, when it comes to pitching, when it comes to hitting. It's been inconsistent, but again, you're one game over 500. You're only basically three, three and a half games out of first place. So, uh, Italian, they got a lot of injuries. Dickerson, um, Chisenhall, uh, Italian's now going down. You got Archer. Uh, Archer. I mean, there's just so many injuries. Cervelli but, got hit in the hand. But they are persevering. They're they're overcoming adversity, and you know we'll just have to wait and see. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about them uh, on this next segment uh, again for Pirates baseball when we do the next one on Thursday. Well, folks, that's going to do us all for the 14th edition of the Sports Roundtable, which was brought to you by Three Guys Fitness in Reedsville. Mention you heard this ad on 96.7 K Country and receive five dollars off your initial membership. By Brouhaha in Kingwood, located on Price Street, where the coffee beans are roasted in house and the coffee beans are absolutely delicious. And by Shortcuts in Morgantown, the closest barber to the downtown campus of West Virginia University. For Kelly Gamble, I'm Aaron Host. I'll talk to you guys again on Thursday. Thank you.